Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into A to Z Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out the website over at adzsports.com slash Dallas, where you can get daily articles, news, analysis, opinion, and the Dallas Cowboys, check it out over at adzsports.com. And as always, remember that Primetime is brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here. But before we do any of that, let's talk about the Cowboys and how they're doing something that no other NFL team is doing right now. And when you watch that Cowboys-Giants game, and when you watch what the Cowboys did against the Bears and what they have done against the Lions and maybe even in the Packers game, the Cowboys are their young tight ends. It is an impressive group. My question, my opening question for me to you guys is, what would be one word for you to describe the Cowboys tight ends? Now, the Giants game was the latest reminder of it. You had Dalton Schultz scoring two touchdowns. You had Peyton Hendershot scoring the final score by the Dallas Cowboys before they played a little bit of tight end guacamole. But how about Dallas getting these 12 personnel looks, which, you know, a lot of NFL teams do in the league, 13 personnel groups. And then you had Dallas getting four tight ends on the field, which has been a theme for the Cowboys over the last few weeks, and it's been an impressive, productive personnel grouping because here's what I mean when I say that the Cowboys are doing something that no other NFL team is. The Cowboys have had seven snaps with four tight ends on the field this season. In those seven snaps, most of which have been in goal-to-go situations, the Cowboys have scored three touchdowns, and that includes the Peyton Hender shot rushing touchdown on Thursday. The rest of the NFL, and this is at least before Sunday, so I don't know if the Saints actually used more plays with four tight ends on the field. The rest of the NFL had combined for four plays only with four tight ends on the field, all of which had been by New Orleans. Only the Saints and the Cowboys have lined up four tight ends on the, on the field this season, at least before Sunday and the Cowboys have done so two times more than the Saints almost not exactly but almost and the thing is that we might sit here and think oh you know seven plays it's, it's not that big of a deal uh, it's kind of a personal tweak by the Cowboys and sure but I think that when you combine it with the identity of the Cowboys tight ends and the other groupings that Dallas has used and specifically how they have used them. It's something special because Dallas has used a lot of 12 personnel. The Cowboys are sixth in the NFL in 12 personnel usage. They're 10th in 13 personnel. And then on top of that, you need to add those special groupings. For example, the one used against the Chicago Bears in which Dallas had one, not, not even one, like uh, zero running backs and then three tight ends on the field. And it becomes even more special when you consider that it's not the Cowboys going Yumbo on opposing defenses necessarily. 
because they can line these guys up out wide. We've seen the Cowboys spread out their three tight ends to one side of the field in multiple locations and in different situations and field positions. And that comes down to the simple point of Dallas trusting their tight ends because they think that a Peyton Hender shot can both run and catch and block. And they think the same of Jake Ferguson and they think the same way even of Sean McKeon, even if he's the most discreet production-wise among the Cowboys signings. Don't be surprised, though, if he has his score over the next few weeks based on the way that they have used them. And then Dalton Schultz, of course, is the guy, especially as a receiver for Dallas. But we've seen it all with them. We've seen how good they can block. Uh, even Dalton Schultz, who gets a lot of a lot of criticism because of how he blocks. But then you look at some plays like that one in which the Cowboys ran speed option on third down. Dak Prescott runs to his right, has the option to pitch the football to Ezekiel Elliott, does so, and then Dalton Schultz is leading the way, blasting a defensive back and knocking him off his feet. It is an impressive group. Uh, let's see what you guys had to say about the tight end group. Uh, what is one word to describe the Cowboys tight ends? Cheryl goes with awesome. Mark says great. Let's see here. Rudy says performers. I like it, especially considering those celebrations. We had the one in which they hogtied one of the guys, and then we had the whack-a-mole. Great tight end, says uh, Martin. Powerful, says Doc. Information. Oh, thank you, Doc. We are here every Sunday through Thursday night. I appreciate your comment. My one word would be amigos. And I wrote about this for ADC Sports Dallas, but... You know, when Ezekiel Elliott had his first score of the game, he rushed for a touchdown early in the in the second quarter. That put the Cowboys on the lead. And the Eagles, speaking of leads, just scored versus the Green Bay Packers. I, I wholeheartedly expected Zeke to jump into that red kettle and take us back in time to 2016 when he was a rookie and Dak Prescott and Zeke were having their fun. I fully expected Zeke to do something like that. He didn't. And you know why? Because he's a veteran now. He is a leader. He is a guy that cannot cost the Cowboys 15 yards. He is the guy that doesn't want to get fined, maybe even. So it made sense for Zeke not to jump on that red kettle. But then Hendershot scored late in the game. And he didn't go into the red kettle. But... Schultz, McKeon, and Ferguson did because they were also on the field at that time. And at that moment, they were having their fun. They were like the fun young players, friends, having fun. It was impressive. It was a cool moment. And I do think that it's one of those things that shows you the mojo behind an NFL team. And I felt great about that moment. I'm sure that everyone in Cowboys Nation did. Dak Prescott talked about it post-game. He said, you know what? We talked about it. They were afraid of getting fined. And I just told them, make sure that we are up by 14 at least. And the Cowboys were up by 14. Uh, not actually by more than 14, right? It was 15 at that time. And then go ahead and do that. And then Dak Prescott even told them, you know what? Don't worry about the fine because we've got people that can take care of that. So shout out to the tight ends. I wanted to mention that because it's been huge for the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that one big difference from last year or even the year before that to this year's group of tight ends and how the Cowboys are using them 
is that Dallas is not afraid to pass when they're on the field. Last year, Dallas used a lot of 12 personnel, but when they got in those groupings, the tendencies dictated that the Cowboys would run the football. Now that's not necessarily the case because not only can Schultz catch the football, Ferguson and Hendershot also can do that. And I think that's different from when you had uh, Jeremy Sprinkle getting some of the offensive snaps at tight end because as soon as Blake Jarwin got injured in last year's win over the New England Patriots, the Cowboys were not able to be as efficient out of 12 personnel because they became a little bit predictable. This group of guys allows them not to be predictable. And the Cowboys offense historically has been heavy when it comes to tight ends and Mike McCarthy's offenses as well. So it makes sense that Dallas is investing in this group of guys. And I don't mean investing from a salary cap position, uh, but just in, in the way of how important they are for Kellen Moore's offense. And I'm loving that portion of Dallas. Let's see some of your comments here. Awesome wins is Ines. Uh, let's go Cowboys on to the next week. Doc says it was against Tampa Bay and Derby Irving was making third down plays. The one in which Sik jumped into that red kettle in 2016. That was a fun game. That was really a fun moment. Now, all of this conversation leads us to one thing. And it's the fact that the Cowboys offense, do you agree or disagree that it is looking elite? I know that's a strong word. I know we kind of try to shy away from those kind of statements because you never want to label something elite when you're not quite sure about it. But hear me out. In the meantime, you can let me know in the comments. Do you agree or disagree that this offense is elite? Listen, since Dak Prescott returned, the Cowboys are averaging over 33 points per game, highest mark in the NFL. They're number one in third down conversion rate. They are top five within the red zone. They're one of the most efficient teams in EPA per play, in DBOA. And even Dak Prescott, man, even Dak Prescott is among the, the league's most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL since week seven. EPA per play before Sunday's games, and I didn't include them because it obviously takes some time to be able to get those accurate numbers. Since week seven, though, before Sunday's games, Dak Prescott was the second most efficient quarterback, according to Ben Baldwin's composite that measures both EPA per play and completion percentage over expectations. He was second in the NFL behind only Tua Tagovailoa from the Dolphins. And then number three was Patrick Mahomes and number four was Joe Burrow. Number five, a little bit of a surprise there. And just a fun fact, I will throw it in there. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, he's been surprisingly decent for the Cleveland Browns. Shout out to him. But if it weren't for the penalties, I think we all would feel very good about where this Cowboys offense is at. And I do think right now it is one of the best in the NFL. And now that we're talking about the tight ends and we're talking about how they can run and pass out of 12 personnel and 13 personnel, I would tie it all back into what we were talking about last week here on primetime, that we were talking about Kellen Moore and what he's brought to the table as the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Because you are getting an offense that has answers from under center 
from shotgun in the red zone. They're looking like one of the most efficient units in the NFL. And that should have fans excited about what's to come for Dallas. Because if you mix that offense and that defense, and they're, work, they're both working at the same time, you're going to get results. Glenn says, Dak is playing a lot better. Yes, we are lit. Uh, Jerry also says, yes, Rudy agrees. Doc says, we're heading toward elites as, as long as we keep the penalties down. Hey, Doc, that is more than fair, man. That is more than fair because those penalties have been holding back the Cowboys for a while now. And hopefully that changes moving forward. Excited about where the Cowboys are going on offense. But we will keep this moving here on prime time. And we will look a little bit at the future. Because the Cowboys have some tough games ahead. More or less tough. Uh, some of them shouldn't be. But you never know in the NFL. And they have a lot of games versus the AFC South. Three consecutive games, actually, versus such a division. Now, we know that the Titans are good. They lost today. They lost to the Bengals. It was a hard-fought game. I think that it was a fun one. Uh, but the Cowboys are going to get the Colts at home next weekend. After that, they get the Houston Texans. And then the week after that, which would be week 15, they travel to Jacksonville to play the Trevor Lawrence Jaguars, who got a surprising win today versus the Baltimore Ravens. And I wanted to touch on this because I wanted to tell you, I wanted to ask you, which AFC South team scares you the most? The Colts, the Texans, the Jaguars. I would assume that we all agree that the Titans are the best, so maybe we can keep them out of it and stay with the next three rivals of the Cowboys, which of those AFC South teams scares you the most? Let me know your answers in the comments. And while I give you my answer, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net because right off the week, and this is a really special one, one of the best that we've had on the right of the week segment is the 2023 Mazda CX-30 Premium. This one starts at $32,130. It's got all-wheel drive. It's got a sunroof. Do you want comfort? You can get it in leather, leather, power, heated, memory, foam, sitting. Do you want safety? Side impact airbags come with the CX-30 Premium. Do you want to jam with the music? It's got a premium audio system, a miles per gallon capacity of 24 in the city. That goes up to 31 when you are in the highway. So make sure you check out the ride of the week over at FreemanMazda.net. You can check out all of the features in there, the pictures on the inside, outside, a family-owned business for over 65 years. Remember that when you choose Freeman Mazda, you're choosing a lifelong partnership with your car dealer. So let's talk a little bit about the AFC South here. Let's see some of your answers here. Everyone agrees. Oh, I'm surprised by the answers, actually. I thought that recency bias was about to kick in a little bit. Uh, but Sebastian, Chance, Jeff, no, uh, yeah, Jeff, go with the Colts. Peter Rizzo, though, goes with the Texans. That, that one I did not expect, Peter. Let me know why in the comments. I'm curious. I would go with the Colts as well. 
but I'm not going to lie. I'm not super confident about facing the Jaguars. You know what? Actually, I kind of want to change my answer and I kind of want to go with the Jaguars. Here's why. And I know that it might be recency bias kicking in because the Jaguars bit the Ravens today and I didn't expect that. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence looked sharp on that game winning drive at the end of the game. The guy was finding his targets outside of the numbers with deadly accuracy. He was getting rid of the football with some sip on it. And since the Jaguars have been a losing team lately, I think that NFL fans are kind of getting off the bandwagon for Trevor Lawrence. But I will tell you something. The guy is playing some quality football. And he can check out your blitzes and he can finance worse pre-snap. He does a great job at the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that knows what he is doing at quarterback. He's not guessing. He's not out there taking off and running every time that he can. Uh, I might go with the Jaguars here as a surprise answer. The Colts with Jeff Saturday have been difficult to figure out, though. So I understand why the Colts are definitely an answer there. And I understand that Jonathan Taylor is the reason why we're also afraid of the Colts because we think, you know what? The Cowboys have trouble stopping the run. The Colts can run the football at you with Jonathan Taylor. But I will tell you something. That offensive line is bad. The Indianapolis Colts do not have a good offensive line. Really looking forward to seeing how they do versus the Steelers tomorrow night because Pittsburgh has TJ Watt. They've got Larry Ogunjobi, Cam Hayward. It is a good defensive line. Looking forward to seeing how they do against them. But against the Cowboys' defensive front, Give me the Cowboys winning that battle, especially if you have Matt Ryan on the other side, who is uh, dead last in the NFL, by the way, in average depth of target. He is dead last in big time throw percentage. The Colts simply, in my opinion, do not have the explosive plays to hang with the Cowboys. And as such, I'm not really that afraid of them. Uh, whereas with the Jaguars, I don't know if you can find Trevor Lawrence in a good day and maybe he can catch you a little bit off guard. So I might go with the Jaguars on that question, but it's a good question, I think. Uh, Mark Andrew, though, goes with the Titans. Now, if you're including the Titans, they're the best team, 100% in the AFC South, and especially because they are well-coached. I wanted, wanted to exclude them a little bit because, you know, they're number one, they're after the Eagles game. And number two, I think we all would have agreed that the Titans were the most dangerous one. Uh, Derrick Henry is good. The offensive line is better than the Colts. Uh, they've got a good defense, well-coached defense as well. And Mike Brabel gets his teams going on game day. They had a chance today versus the Cincinnati Bengals, but it got away from them and they made a mistake in the worst possible moment. The Bengals were going to be forced to kick a field goal and get Ryan Tannehill back the football, but then they, they're called for a personal foul and the Bengals are able to kill the clock. It was painful for a Tennessee man today. However, I, I would go with I would go with the Jaguars and then uh, obviously I mean the Titans are number one 
among the toughest teams in the AFC South. That's why they're, they're the ones with the winning record. But I would go with the Jaguars as the team that scares me the most. And actually, fun fact, the Jaguars have the highest point differential in the AFC South. Better than even the Titans do. Look at the Packers. Look at Quay Walker intercepting that football. And maybe going into the end zone? No? Inside the 15-yard line. How about the Packers giving Cowboys Nation a little bit of hope that the Eagles catch an L tonight on Sunday Night Football? We'll see how that ends. Uh, if you guys are watching the replay, the thing is we were streaming live during Sunday Night Football. None of them, says Ines. Ines says, bring them. I'm not afraid of any team. Rudy says, we cannot underestimate any team, says Rudy. And while that is correct, I agree, Rudy, with you. Uh, you cannot underestimate teams in the NFL. Anything can happen, any given Sunday. That's the quote. However, for example, there's no reason why the Texans should be in the conversation with the Cowboys. That should be a blowout game. Anything can happen? Yes. But it should be a, blow, a, a blowout. I could not give you a legitimate reason why the Texans could beat the Cowboys, for example. Fun conversation for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of here, though, OBJ saga, the OBJ saga continued today. And it was an eventful day, both for the Cowboys and for the star wide receiver. It started off with Adam Schefter tweeting out this morning from ESPN that the Cowboys were the favorite, at least in the eyes of an NFL executive. An NFL ex executive said, and I quote, it's looking like it will be Dallas for OBJ. And that obviously sent a shockwave through Cowboys Nation because that's the kind of thing that gets you excited. You know, an NFL executive saying that it will be the Cowboys. And then you consider that he, the Cowboys are already the odds-on favorite in the eyes of the betting world in Las Vegas, in New Jersey, and all of that. And I always include New Jersey because Las Vegas is the way that we've always said it. But it's no longer the state with the highest amount of bets, right? So I always include New Jersey now. I don't even know if it's New Jersey still. It might be New York by now. I don't know how they divide it, actually, when they count which city or, you know, or state, whatever it is, gets the highest handle in the betting world. But anyways, you get the point. The Cowboys are the favorites to land OBJ. And then later on Sunday, later on Sunday, something interesting happened. OBJ started tweeting out. He was tweeting out, oh, this is funny. I've never seen anything like this. This is comedy hour. We didn't know what the heck OBJ was talking about. And then a video hit social media. And in the video, you saw OBJ being escorted by police officers in an, air, in an airport, taking him out of the airplane and then just escorting him to the ticket area. Without any context, it was difficult to know what was going on. OBJ looked okay. He didn't look like he was, I don't know, uh, drunk or under the influence of anything. He looked okay. He was walking with his two bags, quiet, didn't look like much. This is the police report from the Miami 
Dade Police Department. It says that at, at approximately 9.30 a.m., officers from the Miami-Dade Police Department were dispatched to a medical emergency at an American Airlines flight. The flight crew was concerned for a passenger, which happened to be Mr. Odell Beckham Jr., as they tried to wake him to fasten his seatbelt. He appeared to be coming in and out of consciousness prior to their departure, fearing that Mr. Beckham was seriously ill and that, that his condition would worsen through the expected five-hour flight, the attendants called for police and fire rescue. Upon the officer's arrival, the flight crew asked Mr. Beckham several times to exit the aircraft, which he refused. The aircraft was deplaned, at which time Mr. Beckham was asked by the officers to exit the plane and did so without incident. Mr. Beckham was escorted to the non-secure area of the terminal by the officers where he made other arrangements. What? What was that all about? And then out came a statement from OBJ's lawyer saying that their version of the story is that OBJ covered his head in order to sleep. You know, it's a long flight maybe from Miami to Los Angeles apparently. And that OBJ fell asleep and that they were trying to wake him up and he didn't respond because he was asleep. And then, then the flight crew started to get all hostile on him. That's the lawyer's version of things. We don't know exactly what happened, uh, but I think that a lot was made out of this thing. And my question from me to you is, do you think that the OBJ airplane incident changes anything or nothing for the Dallas Cowboys or for the NFL in general? Do you think that it changes anything or nothing? Let me know in the chat. Gilbert says, we do not need, we do not need more problems. We have enough, says Gilbert. No offense to him because we don't know what happened. That's Gilbert's take on the whole thing. Jeff says changes nothing. Sebastian says it changes nothing. Not going to lie, guys. I agree with Jeff and with Sebastian. I think the OBJ incident was weird as heck. I don't know what happened. I don't know if we will ever know really what happened. Was OBJ literally just asleep? It's especially weird because in the video, it... it looks like OBJ is really okay. Because when I read the police report and all of that, I was thinking like, oh, you know what? Those those airport beers, they hit different. They are, they can go heavy on you. But then I saw the video and was like, wait a minute. OBJ does not look like he is drunk or anything like that. Doesn't look like he is under the influence. So I would go with it changes nothing at all. I think it's a weird airplane incident. Uh, even if it's something that you could blame on OBJ, even if you could say, oh, OBJ messed that up, I think it changes nothing at all. He's still a top-tier wide receiver that could help your offense a lot, taking the top off of defenses, being that vertical threat that you're looking for. Or, you know, in the worst-case scenario, he is a depth rotational piece for your wideout room. If you don't want him to do a lot for you early because you want him to give him some time or something like that, at worst, he is an upgrade 
to your depth at wide receiver. And when you are the Dallas Cowboys and your number three wide receiver is Noah Brown, you should still be interested in OBJ. Absolutely, I would say. So to me, it changes nothing. I think it was a weird storyline. I didn't know where it was going to end. And honestly, now that it seems like it is already over, it seems to me that nothing relevant happened at all. Other than some uh, superstar wide receiver being at the center of the attention, which is usually where superstar wide receivers manage to find themselves in. Peter Rizzo, though, says uh, nothing. However, we don't need him. Edward says it should not change. Rudy says nothing. Ines also says it changes absolutely uh, nothing. So there you go. Uh, by the way, it, OBJ is expected to visit the Giants. He's expected to visit uh, Buffalo, maybe even uh, the Chiefs, and then the Cowboys December 5th. That is the date in which the Cowboys and OBJ have a scheduled meeting. We'll see if something happens then. And his decision is expected early in December, just in time for January playoff football. We'll see what happens with OBJ. I would really like the Cowboys to sign him. I know that he has some controversies around him, but for the most part, I think that he is loved by his former teammates based on public comments from them. He is recruited by several teams' players specifically, even the Rams' Recruitment of OBJ was player-centric, and I think that speaks volumes to how he really is looked at by players and not the media. Because I do think that the media exaggerated many narratives about he, how he is a diva, quote-unquote, or a locker room problem kind of guy. I think he's none of that at all. I think he's just a good receiver. And I do think that Baker Mayfield was probably to blame for a lot of stuff that happened in Cleveland. You didn't see Cleveland Browns players defend Baker, man. You saw them defend OBJ for the most part. Anyways, that will be it for me tonight on ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I really appreciate your time. I hope that you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. The Packers and the Eagles are tied at 20. The wind has really impacted that scoreboard as both teams have missed PATs. The Packers should be winning it, or maybe the Eagles should be winning it. Uh, both teams have missed a PAT itch. So, let's see what happens for the rest of the night, and let's see what the conversation is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central when we meet each other again on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Make sure that you hit the like button. Every like puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans, so do me that favor. Tomorrow morning, you can catch Skywalker Steel here on the channel as well on the morning show. I will see you at 8 p.m., though. Shout out to Jeff, Rudy, Edward, Peter, all of you guys in the Facebook chat. I will see you tomorrow a las 8 de la noche. Muchísimas gracias y adiós. Primetime brought to you by our friends, by the way, over at FreemanMazda.net. Bye-bye.